Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the CAV Sports Podcast. I got my Santa hat ready. It's going to be a little bit of a festive uh, episode today. We definitely have a lot to talk about that happened over the weekend. So let's get started right away. First off, I want to say that my picks for last week, I went nine for 16. I did get a couple of games short, but we'll definitely get into the games that caught my eye a little later. But nine for 16, not bad, above 50%, not where I want it to be, but We'll just have to wait and go from there for next week. Do always do better. The first topic is some news that kind of broke out uh, this week. Jalen Hurts is going to be the biggest one. He injured his shoulder. I believe he uh, has a sprained shoulder now. And he is now listed questionable for the Dallas Cowboys game on Christmas Eve. And that's a big blow to the Philadelphia Eagles right now because they're on a hot streak. He's probably going to win the MVP. He might, he might barely lose it to... Patrick Mahomes, but I think Jalen Hurts definitely should deserve to win it. But now with his sprained shoulder, the Philadelphia Eagles might have to run with Gardner Minshew, which isn't – he's not a bad quarterback. He had some success in Jacksonville, but we're going to have to wait and see what happens with Jalen Hurts. And then next up, Zach Wilson is most likely to start for the Jets against the Jaguars this Thursday. Mike White is still out, so they're going to roll with Zach Wilson. And that's a little bit of a toss and turn for me just because he did play well, just not well enough to win. Uh, this past week, so I'm not really sure. And kind of just how the Jets have been, uh, you know, giving that communication with him that he may not be the answer that they're looking for, along with they may want to stick with Mike White, or you only you're, you only have the starting job until Mike White returns. So we're going to have to wait and see what goes on with that. But Zach Wilson will be your starting quarterback this Thursday against the Jacksonville Jaguars to the Jets. So J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 you got Zach Wilson. Lastly, Jonathan Taylor is now put on IR the rest of the season he's most likely going to be out and I think that's a smart move on the Colts right now if he's injured I would just keep him uh keep him on IR for the rest of the season the Colts are not making the playoffs anytime soon I really don't I think they've been eliminated so there's no way they're going to make it there's no point in injuring your star running back that you have uh right now so definitely you know hopefully speed of recovery to Jonathan Taylor but it's smart on the Colts right now just put him on IR get him ready for next season so next, we're going to talk about some of the games that caught my eye this week, and we have a lot of games to discuss. So first off, I'm going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys game. My Cowboys losing in overtime with a pick six to the Jacksonville Jaguars. First, I want to give the credit to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Trevor Lawrence played phenomenal. He had 318 passing yards, four touchdowns, one interception, and a fumble. So he did have two turnovers but he still played well enough to keep the Jaguars in the game so definitely congratulations to them and I honestly think if they make the playoffs they may be a dark horse because they have kicked it up a notch this leg of the season uh it's been a roller coaster ride they started off two and one I believe and then they lost I believe five or six games straight and then they started winning and then they just pulled this come from behind win um against the Dallas Cowboys which is one of the top teams in the NFC right now and I believe like that was their first win against an NFC opponent in like 20 games so you I mean as a Cowboys fan you never want to be on that end of a loss but congratulations to the Jaguars on pulling it off but now for my Dallas Cowboys man oh man where do we start now I did say in the last episode that if we turn the ball over we're gonna have issues we have turned the ball over twice Dak Prescott has thrown 11 interceptions in nine games this season that is not good, especially if you are going to the playoffs. I believe the Dallas Cowboys have clinched their playoff spot, but we don't know if we're going to win the NFC East come January, and we're probably going to have to go up against the Buccaneers. Or if we start dropping, 
we're going to have to probably play, face off against the 49ers, which is definitely a team I do not want to see right now in the playoffs and right in the start. And Dak's need, Dak has to stop the turnovers. And I'm not sure what it is. I understand that he uh, he wants to stay aggressive. He doesn't want to update or change the way he plays. But if you're turning the ball over this many times in this span of games since you've returned, that is not good. I I do like the aggressive play. You always got want to push on, you know, as the season goes. But you got to understand when to dial it back. You got to understand when to make the right read. You need to know. Don't fall, if you don't know if you can get the ball in there, dump it up underneath to Tony Pollard or Zeke or in one of the scenarios in the game, take a sack. And I'm going to get to that point in the game in a second. But two turnovers in the game, two interceptions, two crucial interceptions. I believe the first one is exactly when the Jacksonville Jaguars got all momentum uh, throughout the game once he threw the first pick. And that's when the Jacksonville Jaguars ran away with the game, in my opinion. And also the second interception. I don't give Dak full blame for that interception. Because here's why. It hit Noah Brown in the chest and in the hands. He could have caught the ball. I've seen Noah Brown make harder catches in his career than that one. That one, I understand, was low in the dirt. And that was probably intentional. You know, get it in the dirt. No one, you know, no one could get it. If Noah Brown's not going to get it, no one gets it. But Noah Brown had a chance to catch the ball. That's his catch any day of the week. I believe last week he caught a pass running on the right side of the field and dove and caught it. He's made harder catches in his career with the Dallas Cowboys, and that's the one he doesn't make, which costs the Cowboys the game. So Noah Brown, you got to catch the ball. That's one thing. Another thing I want to point out is that T.Y. Hilton was not active in that game, and now we're starting to see why the Dallas Cowboys signed him and want to sign Odell Beckham. I think Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore are probably not fully set on Noah Brown anymore just because there, there would have not been another reason to go get T.Y. Hilton. Aside of T.Y. Hilton being like, a, he used to be a star in the NFL and he was still a free agent and available. But now we're starting to see why T.Y. Hilton got brought in for the game. You know, for those type of moments when you need to play, T.Y. Hilton is your guy. He was like, he was that guy for the Indianapolis Colts for such a long time. And after seeing that collapse happen and you needed that play to go your way, that's probably going to be T.Y. Hilton's position coming in for the rest of the season. And I believe they're going to sit Noah Brown or they're going to sit James Washington just because James Washington hasn't played enough this season to kind of get the flow of the offense. Every time I've seen James Washington play, it's like he's he's kind of lost. I mean, he was out for the whole for the majority of the season. But Noah Brown's been here for, I believe, over three years in this offense. And that's that's what he's producing. There, there's a problem. And I, I, can't, I can't accept that as a Cowboys fan because if it hits you in the chest or in the hand, you have to make the catch or something like that's going to happen, and that costs the Cowboys the game. Now, I want to go over to the defense because the defense, what happened with the defense? We started off strong. Michael Parsons with a big sack to start the game, and it, other than that, it hasn't been good. Um, one, of the, one of the key points, and I pointed this out in the last episode, was the cornerbacks. The cornerbacks are our weakest link on our defense right now. Kelvin Joseph got beat by Zay Jones more than once in that game. And that's cause for concern because if we're getting beat on that right side, every offense going into the playoffs or from this part on is going to know, don't, you don't have to worry about, you know, Kelvin Joseph. We just have to worry about Trayvon Diggs and Trayvon Diggs cannot play both sides of the field, you know, all at once. He can't 
he's not fast. He's not fast enough, number one, and nor is it possible for him to even do that. So the corners need to step it up uh, for the Dallas Cowboys because it, your time is up, you know. It, it's now. Jordan Lewis is gone. Anthony Brown is gone. We're running out of corners on our depth chart. I believe Bland, Bland made a good play. He caught an interception. I believe he's probably like one of, like one of the better um, not starting corners. But Kelvin Joseph, for, uh, second round pick of the draft, he needs to step up because that is, he got burnt by Zay Jones more than once in that game, and he also got burnt by other wide receivers uh, by other wide receivers as well. So Kelvin Joseph is going to be a liability on that defense. And next up, you know, Leighton Vanderish got hurt in the first quarter, and he's probably our best run stuffer on that defense. He's a great middle linebacker. He can play, he can you know pass uh, pass rush, and he can play the with his injury. Now we don't have any more corners. The defense is starting to not look good. Dan Quinn is trying to figure that out, but I'm I'm hoping that Dan Quinn figures it out soon because that is a big red flag on everyone's mind that our other corner is getting beat. That means all of these offenses know to throw it to Kelvin Joseph because he's not going to have an answer. Now I want to talk about the fourth quarter uh, play towards the end that went into overtime. Whenever Trevor Lawrence, uh, Michael Parsons forced a fumble out of Trevor Lawrence and the Dallas Cowboys got it at the end of the fourth quarter. And I'm thinking, that's it. That's it. We're game's over. We just need a first down or run the clock and run out their timeouts. And that was the plan at first. You know, they were kind of running out the clock on every, but on the Jacksonville Jaguars, they forced two timeouts. That third down play, they decide to throw it. And Dak threw a deep streak pass to guess who Noah Brown. And he didn't catch the ball. And I'm thinking, why is he throwing the ball when we need to run out their timeouts? Either take the sack or try to get the first down yourself. What? Where is the mindset of that, of that whole thought process going into that play? Everyone knows you need to run out the clock and run out their timeouts. There's no excuse on why you should give the Jacksonville Jaguars time, especially if Trevor Lawrence is having a great game, minus the turnovers. He had a great game. Like I said, he passed, what, where is it right here? 318 yards of four touchdowns of the game. He was balling in this game this week against the Dallas Cowboys defense. And when that happens, you need to slow him down or you need to not give him time. And that's exactly what the Cowboys did. They gave him time and a timeout. So why is Dak Prescott throwing a ball, throwing a pass when he needs to run out the clock? There is no excuse for that. There just isn't. Like I don't know if that was Kellen Moore's call or if that was a Mike McCarthy call, but if it was Mike McCarthy, like you have to know time management for that one because you know we have the lead. We cannot let them score because they are getting downfield. Worst absolute worst case scenario, they kick a field goal. But they went down and scored. And then we went to overtime and we lose. And that's exactly what I was scared of. Because once I saw that we had a punt when they had a timeout left, I'm thinking they they may come back. Because we just gave Trevor Lawrence a timeout and time on the clock. Because at least if if Dak would have taken the sack, like bear with me here. He takes the sack. Jacksonville uses a timeout. They punt deep into their territory. They may not score because there were some big plays that were made. Now, another thing, actually, the defense needs to learn is wrapping up. There were so many times in that game where wrapping up didn't exist to anybody, like either the Jacksonville Jaguars nor the Dallas Cowboys. Nobody was wrapping up, and that was getting, like, very, very frustrating. I believe 
uh, one of the games, one of the plays that saved the Jacksonville Jaguars is, I, I believe it was Zay Jones. He caught a pass going across the middle, and uh, Curse, the safety for the Dallas Cowboys, is trying to tackle, you know, Jones down, but he's not wrapping up. He's being dragged, and he was able to run out of bounds, and they saved the timeout. They go into the review to see if they need to run the clock or if he stepped out of bounds, and he steps out of bounds, thus saving the timeout for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's just frustrating on all kind of on kinds of levels. If you are hoping that this defense is going to make the stop, because you got to wrap up. There was another instance where I believe they had the Cowboys had a sack. They had a sack right there, dead to rights against Trevor Lawrence, and he popped out and still extended the play. And I believe he got a touchdown off of that. And watching that, I'm thinking, where where's the wrap? Where's the wrap up? I get you're you're scared of the you know roughing the passer. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to take it. Possibly. I mean, there's no point in just shoulder shoulder bumping him. He's gonna fall because Trevor Lawrence is a six foot six quarterback who has some kind of strength on him. He's not gonna go down easy. You're gonna have to wrap him up and take him down. And that's exactly what the Dallas Cowboys did not do in this game. And that ultimately hurt him. Now, hopefully, going into the next game against the Philadelphia Eagles on Christmas Eve, they fix everything because that is a way tougher opponent than the Jacksonville Jaguars. But We'll get to the we'll get to those topics in a minute. Next up, another game that caught my eye was the Texans and the Chiefs. Here's why: because the Texans almost knocked off the Kansas City Chiefs. That's right, the one win, Houston Texans, probably tanking to get Bryce Young in the draft this year, almost beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and this is what, what was the big shocking part because this is how you know the Texans defense is legit because Patrick Mahomes had 336 passing yards and two touchdowns. Ultimately, you think, all right, that's a great game for Patrick Mahomes. That's a, you know, another Sunday for him. No, even though he had those yards and those touchdowns, the defense was still holding Patrick Mahomes and that offense down, which is very hard to do, especially right now in the AFC. Davis Mills only had 121 passing yards and he had two touchdowns. And that that was not, not a good play on quarterback's behalf, but it was also, you know, enough to at least kind of get the ball moving and the defense took over for the Texans, and they gave the Kansas City Chiefs a run for their money. Even though Patrick Mahomes was getting the yards, he wasn't getting touchdowns. He only got two. Because when you look at those stats, you think, oh, he had a great game. I don't think so, because the, the Texans were able to force two turnovers. I believe there's three in total. Patrick Mahomes fumbled, but he didn't lose it. Pacheco fumbled, and Juju Smith-Schuster fumbled, and that was two, and that, was two that they lost. So the defense was holding up their end of the bargain. They were able to go to overtime with Patrick Mahomes at the Kansas City Chiefs. And I believe the, the Chiefs received the ball at, in overtime, and they, I believe that's when they fumbled it or they lost the ball. So the Texans had a chance to win the game. It wasn't like they were they were out. They had a chance, but then Davis Mills fumbled the ball, and that's when the game kind of got out of hand and went away from the, from the Houston Texans. And here's, here's where I'm thinking it's a little concerning for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's because the Texans should not be holding you guys and that dominant offense to like, – either way, they gave you yards. I get that. You were passing the ball. But they cannot be right there with you. If you're the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, you got to be able to sling the rock more. you got to get past that defense. They only won one game their whole season, and that's the numbers you guys are putting up. I believe the rushing game was not that impressive either. So I think the Kansas City Chiefs need to fix the running game, to be honest. There's no way – that uh, what's called the the rushing attack is not equaling Patrick Mahomes right now. Like there's no way I'm seeing in the comments right now if that's a good reference to the uh, 
Chuck Barkley commercial where Patrick Mahomes fumbles a meatball out of the sub, and he says, I thought he never fumbles. Well, apparently he does. He's human, apparently. I know all the crazy throws. He doesn't seem human, but he is. But uh, either way, back into this. Patrick Mahomes, you can't – you got to be able to move the ball a little bit more. I think Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy need to figure out a running attack because they tried a bunch of different options. They tried uh, Clyde Edward-Hilaire, Edward Hilaire, and he, he didn't work out. I believe they're trying Pacheco now, and they, they need to find a, a decent running back or at least a consistent running back where they'll give them yards so they don't have to rely so much on Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, you know, throwing all over the place. Especially if you give them a if you give defenses a fearful running game, you're gonna you're probably gonna win more games and you're gonna blow out more teams. You probably get another Super Bowl with that equation. But they don't have a good running back right now, and it's clearly showing because the Texans are stopping. Because if a team like the Texans is stopping the Kansas City Chiefs. There's an issue. Now Now we're having a problem with the offense because Patrick Mahomes can throw the ball all over the field all he wants. But the, when, defense, when you get like a stronger defense, like say a defense like the 49ers, you're going to have a problem because if they can lock down your passing game and you can't run the ball, it's going to be another Super Bowl against the Buccaneers all over again where Patrick Mahomes had to run around you know, for his life. So, I mean, congrats for the Chiefs to still pulling off the win. That's an impressive you know, win in overtime. But they gotta, you gotta step it up on the run game. I think that's the weakest link on that offense. Even though they have a bunch of weapons everywhere, Juju Smith, who needs to not fumble the ball, um, Travis Kelsey is always gonna be a beast at tight end, and all those other guys that they got. But they gotta either it, the other team members have to stop forcing the ball or fumbling it, and the defense needs to step up a little bit more, and the running game needs to get a whole lot better. Next up, another game that caught my eye, which probably caught everybody's eye in the NFL. The Vikings and the Colts, and we all know what's coming. Matt Ryan blows another lead. First of all, I think he just needs to stop with the scoring three points thing because that's haunted him. 28-3, to now 33-0. to Just uh, Matt Ryan, stay away from numbers 2, 8, and 3. So now there's no way you blow that, that big of a lead. Like if you're the Colts, there's no way that you blow that lead. Everything would have to go wrong for you. To, for that even to happen. And here's the thing. Just on some of the scores alone, the Colts uh, blocked a punt for a touchdown. They also had a pick six. Matt Ryan had a touchdown. So they were doing enough to score. So it wasn't like they were doing horrible because they did well in the first half. They outscored the Vikings 33 to nothing. Kirk Cousins, though, I will give him credit to this. Kirk Cousins, you know, dug deep. He did not give up on the game. And they were able to blow out the Vikings 36-3 to in the second half of that game. So, I mean, credit, credit to uh, Kirk Cousins. There's not much you can honestly say about that. Even though he did have two turnovers, he still passed for 460 yards and four touchdowns. And he was able to, to rally back and, come, and make the comeback. I think now, the, now Kirk Cousins is showing I'm not to be messed with in neither of these Vikings because they were able to come back. Now, in the last episode, I did point out that I believe their defense is their weakest link, and it's showing because the Colts were able to drop 33 points on you in the first half. That's not good. If the Colts are doing that, the Colts are not a great team this year. Matt Ryan is playing like old man Ryan because he can't do it anymore. Even his numbers weren't the most impressive. He only passed for 182 yards and one touchdown. So the so the the Vikings need to figure it out on defense. That's going to be their biggest thing going into playoffs because they cannot fall behind 
like that to anyone else. Maybe the Colts, because they got Matt Ryan and he has ba- his bad luck numbers are two, eight, and three. I mean, that's just probably his thing. But when you go up against like the Philadelphia Eagles, like you're most likely going to see the Dallas Cowboys who blew you out um, when you guys faced up against them, the 49ers that you may ha- may have to see in the playoffs. I don't know about the Buccaneers. I guess we'll take the Buccaneers out. And anyone else that makes the wild card, if you fall behind that far, you're not going to make that 33 nothing comeback. Like, you just can't. So the Vikings need to figure that out on defense because there's no way a team as bad as the Colts should even come close to to dropping that many points in the first half. Now, I will give them credit, though. They did step up in the second half and only held them to three points while the offense went for 36, and they were able to uh, pull off the win in overtime. But you can't put yourself in that in that position that early on. You just can't. You cannot put yourself your your offense that low, especially if Kirk Cousins has to come back and make the play. And I will say though, he made a, a fantastic screenplay to Dalvin Cook, who ran it down for a touchdown to, to keep him to keep him within range. And also, uh, Jay Jett is just a beast on his own. But for the Vikings, don't put yourself in that hole. Don't ever go down that low ever because. If you put yourself in that hole come playoff time, you're not going to win. You're going to go home early. Now with the Colts. I Bench Matt Ryan at this point. There, There is no other thing you can do right now aside of bench Matt Ryan. Give Sam Ellinger a shot. Give Nick Foles a shot. I mean, Nick Foles came in and won the Super Bowl. What's the – like there's literally nothing more you can do that can make the season go absolutely worse. You're not going to get the first-round pick in the draft like at all because – the Texans are most likely going to get the first round pick, but I would just take and try to get a better, at least either a better quarterback or try to get a high draft pick because there's no way. Number one, you guys are not making playoffs anymore. You guys have been eliminated for a while. Jeff Saturday, who came in as a coach, you know, he basically just came off the TV analyst um, chair and just started coaching with no coaching experience. And that's kind of showing. So the Colts need to need a, I guess, management wise, figure it out because there's no way you hire a coach that's never coached in his life at all. You find a quarterback that is known to blow leads. He blew a lead in the Super Bowl. Now he blew a lead for you guys, and a and a pretty comfortable lead at that. He blew that, even though his defense got a pick six, a block punt, and they still lost the game. I would reconsider probably Matt Ryan. I would go in there, and I would honestly think about the coaching staff, the defensive coordinators and the offensive coordinators. Maybe not the offensive coordinators. Scratch that. Not not them because obviously they put up 33 points, so they they did something right. But I need more of the people that run the defense, whoever's in that quarterback room. I would maybe have to just clean house. I think the uh, Indianapolis Colts are probably aiming for that, is to clean house and you know get a high draft pick. I don't think they'll get Bryce Young. For sure they're not going to get Bryce Young in the draft, the quarterback out of Alabama. They may be able to get Will Will Levis uh, from Kentucky. I'm not really sure, but the Colts are going to have to figure something else out because there's no way you blow that big of a lead. And you guys signed Matt Ryan. You guys traded for Matt Ryan thinking he was the answer. It's also the same Indianapolis Colts who thought Carson Wentz was the answer, and he wasn't even close to the answer in Philadelphia. Aside of one season that the Eagles fans Love to hold on to with Carson Wentz saying he was MVP until he got hurt. Well, now we see what he actually is. He's not that good. And now he's on his third team. And then now with the Matt Ryan, he's not doing good either. And he's just it's just at that point where he may have to consider retirement. I just don't think he can keep up with the with the new league anymore. And that's just something the Colts are probably have to go into 
uh, debate mode coming coming into the offseason. There's just no way. That is a good point. Max Duggan is going to go to the draft after the after the playoffs, so Max Duggan might be available for you. I don't know if they'll get him or they may roll with him, and I don't know if he'll start, but, I mean, that wouldn't be a bad draft pick. He plays with probably the most heart in college football, so don't rule out Max Duggan. Next. I'm sorry for Patriots fans, but I have to bring up this game, the Patriots and the Raiders. I thought the Cowboys game was a crazy ending. I thought the Texans almost beating the Chiefs was a crazy was a crazy game. But this comes close to the Vikings. I, the Vikings and the Colts game probably takes uh takes the top of the weirdest one of the weirdest games this season. Probably going to be one of the most craziest games in this decade. But this one is a real close second. So we'll get to the ending of the game, which I picked the Raiders to win the game, surprisingly. But after, we'll get to here in a minute. So first off, I want to talk about Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia, you are a better defensive coordinator than offense. And here's how. Matt Jones only passed for 112 yards passed, uh, through the air, no touchdowns, 13 for 31. But Stevenson ran for 172. Obviously, his rushing game is incredible. He can run, like, obviously, Stevenson's a great running back and they can run the ball. But there is no passing attack from Matt Patricia. I don't know if he does simplistic offensive plays to kind of make it easier for him and Mac Jones, but clearly it's not working. And you can see on the sidelines with Mac Jones, he's getting frustrated in the game. He's getting frustrated at Patricia. You can see Belichick. I know Belichick's face doesn't move aside of that. That means angry, sad, and joyful. I don't know. But, I mean, you can see it in Belichick's face. He's talking at the end of the game how frustrated he is. But I think what's going on in New England with the offense is that they don't trust Matt Patricia at this point, and they're kind of trying to make it work on their own. And that may explain what happened in the game, but we'll get to the end right now. Derek Carr, he had a, he had a great game, 231, three touchdowns, one interception. Aside of Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, he needs to be a little less aggressive because he is forcing the ball to Devontae Adams. He's forcing the ball to the receivers. He's forcing the ball to Josh Jacobs. He needs to calm down, you know, take a breath. You do not need to make the game-winning play every play. You can manage the offense. You could be a game manager until you're needed, you know, or if Devontae's open and you have that trust with him, throw him the ball. But don't throw Devontae Adams the ball so much where you're going to get picked off every time. And I think that's just really what's going on with Derek Carr because he knows he has the best wide receiver in the NFL. You're going to use him. And I completely understand and agree with that. But there's a time and a place, exactly like with Dak Prescott, there's a time and a place to be aggressive. And there are plays where maybe you should just take the sack. There are plays where maybe you should just dump it down to Josh Jacobs or dump it to the tight end in Darren Waller, who had a great game coming back, by the way. And now Derek Carr needs to understand that. And I think he will uh, figure that out soon. But, I mean, Mike McDaniels and that, and that team, they're not doing the hottest right now. And that's what came to the biggest shocker at the end of this game. We will, Now we're going to talk about the ending. I'm sorry for all the Patriots fans out there. We have to talk about the ending. I just want to understand where, like, whose idea was the pass, the whole passing around thing? That's what I want to know. Was it Stevenson? Was it Jacoby Myers? Was it Matt Jones who said it in the huddle? And this is where I'm getting to the point of they don't trust Matt Patricia. Now these players are going to try to do it themselves. Because we've seen Bill Belichick you know, be one of the greatest time managers. He's probably going to be one. He's probably one of the greatest coaches of all time. You know, 
with Brady and being so, so successful, running a great defense, he can time manage too. There's a reason why he's the head coach for the New England Patriots. There's a reason why Brady had so many game-winning drives. Most of them had to do with Brady, but some of it had to do with Belichick or how to ice a game. This is where the players are starting to not trust either in Belichick or Matt Patricia because tied ball game, go to overtime. Need to force anything. Worst worst case scenario, you throw a hail mary. And some people asked, why didn't Mac Jones throw a hail mary? Simple simple logic. He can't throw it that far. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Patrick Mahomes. And you're not gonna ask him to be Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. You're gonna tell him to be Mac Jones. You can throw it at the distance you're comfortable at, and that's what we're gonna work with. He doesn't have a ninety yard arm of a cannon. He doesn't have 100 yards like Josh Allen does. And that's not what you're going to make him do, especially if he underthrows, an inter- uh, underthrows a Hail Mary and it gets intercepted in return. Now you've got a whole other issue going on. But I think I've honestly respected that because I understand, you know, you throw it, you throw the Hail Mary, try to get it in the end zone. Best case scenario, if you get a pass interference and now you're way closer to the, way closer to the goal line or the other, uh, to the other, uh, other side of the field. But with this, with this play right here, when they get the ball, I believe it was Stevenson, ran to the right side, pitched it back to Jacoby Myers, and then Jacoby Myers, for whatever reason, thought, hey, I could get it to Matt Jones, but he threw it to the wrong Jones. He threw it to Chandler Jones, who picks it off, gives Matt Jones the nastiest stiff arm I've ever seen a defensive lineman ever give to a quarterback. And we've all seen Derrick Henry stiff arm Josh Norman. We all saw that. That was a meme for a very long time. I'm sorry, Mac Jones, but you're going to be on the, the back end of that meme. That's where I'm not understanding where that comes from. Because simple, basic football knowledge, when, you, and you know, when you're down or you're in a tied situation and you may not get downfield with enough time on the clock and you're tied, I want to emphasize you are tied about to go to overtime. Just take a knee or go down. Okay, you pat your stats. You got the run. You know, you got your yards. Get down. Take your chances in overtime. It's kind of the same thing like, I'm sorry, I am keep pondering on the Cowboys, but it's the same thing like what happened with Dak Prescott. He threw a third down pass at the end of the fourth quarter instead of taking a sack or trying to run it himself to run out a timeout. That's just football knowledge to know, and that's kind of a game plan you need to have. Now, when you're going into overtime like this, you typically take a knee or go down. Get as far as you can for the kicker. If you don't get far enough and you're running out of time, get down. All right, let's let's go take it to overtime. Let's try to let's try to pull it off. But they didn't. And I don't know what possessed Jacoby Myers to throw the ball to to Chandler Jones. I don't know why he was I don't know if he was trying to get it to Mac or he was trying to cost them the game from the way it looked from the way it looked. Jacoby Myers was like, okay, I got this. And I did a little research on Jacoby Myers. He was a former quarterback um, back in high school, I believe, and he turned wide receiver. That does not give you an excuse to throw the ball back to Mac Jones. If they were down, I think it would be another story. If they were like a, like a touchdown, uh, if they were down by one touchdown, then I would have understand like, okay, like they were trying to make it work and they didn't. But you are tied. You have a chance to go to overtime and possibly win it, but you decide to be the hero and pull that kind of play. 
You could just see it on Belichick's face when he's running on the field. That's anger. That's a man that's going to go to Jacoby Myers and say, do not get on the plane. You're buying your own ticket home, and I don't want to see you in practice on Monday. You know, or better yet, I want to see you in practice, and I want you to explain to me on the film board why you thought that was a great idea. That's probably what Belichick did this past week after the loss. And I don't know if Jacoby Myers will probably see the field. Knowing Bill Belichick, he's going to bench him or something. But I'm going to end my note on this with the Patriots and the Raiders game. You just It's not hard to, to just think about that. You're tied, get down, go to overtime. Take your chances in overtime. It would be more respectful, respectable if you would have lost in overtime to a field goal or to something like a pick six. You know, like, okay, but you went to overtime and you didn't do anything dumb to cost you the game. But you did, and now Mac Jones is a meme and Chandler Jones looks like the next uh, Derrick Henry after the way he stiff-armed Mac Jones. All right, next game and the last game that caught my eye was the Bengals and the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers and the Bengals. Brady, I don't know what's going on with Brady anymore. At this point, I'm running, like, I don't have really much excuses for Tom Brady. I really don't. Because he had a 17-3 to lead on the Bengals going into halftime. And he was looking good. Just looking at his stats at the end of the game, 312 yards, three TDs, but two interceptions. Two killer interceptions. In that second half, he just looked terrible. He did. He just didn't look good. I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if it's like the effects of the divorce, but or it's the team, or it's he's not believing in the head coach right now, or he's really missing Bruce Arians. I'm not sure what's going on with the Buccaneers, but also you can just see it throughout the season of him smashing tablets, yelling at Mike Evans, yelling at the offensive line. At what point do you say, you know what, I'm screwing up this season. I'm the one not playing good. I get your Tom Brady, and I don't think, and I think the season will not shadow over his career. He's going to go down as the greatest quarterback that ever played, hands down. But this season right now is just not living up to that case, and he's not living up to being a top five quarterback at his age, or just in any age. He's not being good. the The Buccaneers is last; they're last in rushing. They're, I believe, they're first in interceptions now, and this isn't good for the Buccaneers. Luckily. The rest of their division is not doing good. I believe they're still in first in their division. But they're not doing good. They're right now on pace to face off against the Dallas Cowboys in Tampa Bay, which is why as a Cowboys fan, I'm trying or trying to win the division to first of all get first place and, you know, home field advantage. But we also don't have to go to Tampa Bay and play Tom Brady because apparently Tom Brady turns into the GOAT whenever we play him. We've seen that already twice. And I, I really don't want to take my chances going up to, uh, to Tampa Bay and dealing with that. But right now, you, the Buccaneers are not looking good. And right now, their playoff play, if this is going to translate over, is not looking good. It, it just isn't. They're going to pro- possibly be a one-and-done team, depending on who they're going to face. And Br- Brady just needs to step it up. The numbers are good. Don't get me wrong. These, these are, are good numbers for someone his age and how he's playing. Three, uh, 312, three touchdowns, but two interceptions – you're not playing good in the second half. You're not closing anymore. That's not good, especially when you're going up against Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty, Joe Burrow. You can't do that. You just can't not close the door on him. Here's Joe's, Joe Burrow's numbers. He had 200 yards passing, four touchdowns, and one INT. And he was able to come back from 17. He was down 17-3 to three and came back and won. And the Buccaneers just fell apart. 
And Joe Burrow is proving right now that he's probably a top five quarterback in the NFL as of today. And when you play against a hot team like that, especially in the Bengals and Joe Joe Shiesty, you got to shut the door on them. You just do. And that's also what's causing concern for the, the Buccaneers defense because they were projected to be one of the top defenses in the NFL. Now, not so much. With the injury to Vita Vea and some other injuries that they have received, they're not looking good. And the way Brady has been playing this season, that's not good. So this is a rest. This is becoming a recipe for disaster for the Buccaneers this season. But for the Bengals, I'm gonna move on to the Bengals. I'm I'm, I'm kind of beating a dead horse here with Brady. Moving on to the Bengals, they are proving to be the best team in the AFC right now. And here's why: because they came back down 17 to three against Tom Brady, the goat. Came back and blew them out of the water in the second half. Here's why I don't think it's the Chiefs. Because, obviously, the Chiefs are good. Patrick Mahomes, probably the best quarterback in the NFL right now. But they are being, but they are being held by teams like the Houston Texans, who have only had one win this whole season, and they are not blowing them out. And that's not a good sign either going in, especially right now, getting into January, when they're going to play against tougher defenses. And that's not good. But the Bengals have been proving that they are the best team in the AFC because of the way Joe Burrow has been playing. Joe Shiesty has been playing phenomenal. And they can do it without their without their weapons. I believe for I believe the past two weeks or two weeks prior, they didn't have Joe Mixon, their top running back. So they were doing it with Per, uh, per Nine, and he did phenomenal. They didn't have Jamar Chase for six weeks, but they still had Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. Joe Burrow still balled out. So I believe right now the Bengals are – the best team in the AFC right now over the Chiefs. They're like one little brick ahead of the Chiefs, in my opinion, just because they they go through they come from adversity and they come back and win games, especially against Tom Brady. Like that's already hard to do as it is, especially when Brady has uh, that big of a lead on you, and they were still able to come back and pull it off at the second half. So congrats to the Bengals for pulling off the win. All right. So the last thing we're gonna talk about today is my picks for this upcoming week. We've got a lot of games. Uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. But first, we're going to start off with Thursday Night Football. We got the Jacksonville Jaguars, Duval, going up against the Jets, J-E-T-S. I got the Jaguars. I think the win that they had against the Dallas Cowboys was, first of all, very impressive. And Trevor Lawrence is on a hot streak right now. And he's showing he's going to be a top 10 quarterback probably in the next in, within the next couple years. The offense is figuring it out under Doug Peterson. And the Jets, they're going back to Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's not doing bad, but he's not doing first-round numbers and stats. He's just not. And that's something that the Jets need to either figure out with him or they're just going to have to move on to Mike White. But Mike White's injured, so they're going to stick with Zach Wilson just because they have to. He was their first-round pick in the draft, but I got the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are coming off a hot win this past week, so we're going to have to wait and see. Next up, I got the Bengals and the Patriots. I'm sorry, Patriots fans. I'm going with the Bengals. Joe Shiesty's too hot right now, especially knocking off Tom Brady. They're going to probably pull off the win right there. Cowboys and the Eagles, Christmas Eve. I think I believe it's America's Game of the Week for Saturday. If Jalen Hurts doesn't play, I like the Cowboys' chances against, uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I believe it's starting to look towards Jalen Hurts not playing this week. So I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys on this one. Just because Jalen Hurts is not going to play, they're running MVP right now. So they're going to have to run a different offensive scheme with Gardner Minshew. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say Gardner Minshew is not good because he obviously has success in Jacksonville, and he's a du- and he's a doable backup quarterback. 
But I think I like the Cowboys' chances without Jalen Hurts. So give me the Cowboys. I would give that one a close game. I'm going to give it 27-24, you know, just in case Dak throws picks or the defense doesn't, doesn't stop them. At least, you know, they'll come back and win it. I got the Bills and the Bears next. Give me the Bills. Josh Allen's going to clinch up their division this week. If not, next week. There's no way they're not going to clinch it, especially coming off a really tough win against the Miami Dolphins. The Bears are not playing hot aside of Justin Fields. Justin Fields has been playing phenomenal this season, running the ball, passing a little bit. But the Bills' defense is going to be way too much for Justin Fields. And I really don't see the Bears' defense stopping Josh Allen. So give me the Bills on that one. Got the, Next up, we got the Saints and the Browns. I think their big win against Atlanta this past week, I'm going to give it to the Saints just because the the Browns struggled against a Lamar Jackson-less Ravens. Lamar Jackson did not play, and the Browns barely able were barely able to pull off a win. So I think the Saints are going to win that one. I don't know if it will be a big margin just because Deshaun Watson is starting to look like he's getting more comfortable in Stefanski's offensive scheme, which is just give the ball to Nick Chubb. But – in any case, the Saints are probably going to run away with that one. I got the Saints. Next up, I got the Texans and the Titans. I believe the Titans are going to win this one. The Texans had a great shot at beating the Kansas City Chiefs, but they did not pull it in, pull it away. And Davis Mills is not the answer that Houston is hoping for, and that's why they've been switching off with Jeff Driscoll. But give me the Titans on this one. I think Derrick Henry is going to be way too strong against that Texans defense. So give me King Henry and the Titans. Next up, Seattle and the Chiefs. I got the Chiefs winning this one just because uh, Seattle, I don't believe they're strong enough on defense to stop Kansas City. Um, as long as nobody fumbled the ball, they should be fine. Um, Geno Smith starting to play like the Geno Smith we we know and seen. He's not playing good. Out of the last two games, he has not played to where he's been all season. And I think the Chiefs are going to continue that reign of terror on Geno Smith. So give me the Chiefs on that one. Next up, we've got the Giants and the Vikings. I'm going to have to go with the Vikings on this one. After coming back from 33 to nothing, Kirk Cousins is showing that he is, he is a respectable a respectable quarterback. I like Kirk Cousins over Daniel Jones. I just don't think Daniel Jones has ever been the answer for the New, uh, the New York Giants. I know this is kind of like their make or, his make or break season, but give, give me the Vikings. Uh, Jay Jettas is way too good. Just give me, you know, Kirk Cousins' dance. I think the Vikings will win that one. Lions and the Panthers. I got the Lions. They're on a hot streak right now. They just they beat the Jets last week, and Jared Goff is having a great season. Which I, hot take right here. Jared, Jared Goff is actually probably gonna probably one of the top ten quarterbacks right now, statistically. If you look at his stats, he's playing very well. He actually is. It's not his fault that the Lions are just not a good team. That's something that he cannot control. He cannot control the defense. You know, Amont Ross St. Brown is emerging as a, as a star wide receiver. Uh, Jamal Williams is a great uh, running back to have behind DeAndre Swift, one of the first-round picks. So, But I got the Lions on this one. They're, they're making that push to the playoffs, and they could possibly catch the Giants. So give me the Lions over the Panthers. I know the Panthers need to win right now to try to catch the Buccaneers, but I think the Lions are just going to pull it off, and Jared Goff is going to be way too much for that Panther defense. Next up, the Falcons and the Ravens. Lamar Jackson, I believe, is still not going to play. As of today, they have not announced if he's returning or not as of today. It could change uh, going into the, uh, going into Saturday, but I'm gonna try again on Desmond Ritter. He let me down last week. He let me down. Desmond Ritter, you gotta play a little better. But give me the Falcons over the Ravens, just because the Ravens were not able to move against the Browns, and I think the Falcons may pull it away this week. So give me the Falcons over the Ravens. Next up, the Commanders and the 49ers. I gotta go with the 49ers. They have the top defense in the league right now. 
Brock Purdy. It's now becoming the, the Brock the Brock Party over there in the Bay. So give me the 49ers. Christian McCaffrey's having a career resurgence over there in San Francisco. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is playing really well. I don't think they'll have Debo Samuel uh, for the rest of the season, but they still have a lot of firepower. George Kittle's starting to get in, get kind of back in the groove of being that reliable weapon that San Francisco was hoping for. So we're going to have to wait and see what's going to happen with the 49ers, if they're going to move up or not in the playoff ranking. But give me the 49ers against the Commanders. I just don't think the Commanders are going to be enough. I, I had hope for them against the Giants. They let me down, but they did get a controversial call, which is not, you know, which I thought was pass interference, but it is what it is. But give me the 49ers against the Commanders. On the last game of Saturday, we got the Raiders and the Steelers. Give me the Raiders just because they're going to have a little momentum after that Patriots game. That defense, like I said, and I've been saying for the past couple episodes, that Raiders defense is just too good. Uh, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones could apparently stiff arm uh, quarterbacks. So, uh, Kenny Pickett, if you throw an interception, get out of Chandler Jones' way. So, give me the Raiders on that one. I think defense will outbeat uh, Kenny Pickett. I believe he's, he just got cleared for concussion protocol to play this weekend, but that defensive line is just way too strong against Kenny Pickett and the struggling Steelers. So give me the Raiders. So for the Sunday games, we got the Pack and the Dolphins. I'm going to go with the Dolphins on this one. Aaron Rodgers, I know he came off a win um, on Monday against Baker Mayfield and the LA Rams. But the Dolphins at home, I, I wouldn't want to take my chances against Dolph the Dolphins at home. So give me Miami. Two has been playing great. Tyree Kill is still a great wide receiver. Jalen Waddles have, has had a great season. The defense does enough to at least get them to win. I don't know if they'll do enough to hold Aaron Rodgers, so I think it might be a shootout game, but give me the Dolphins in the shootout. Next up, Broncos and the Rams. I'm very impressed with the uh, with the Broncos beating the Cardinals uh, this past week without Russell Wilson, so I don't know if Russell Wilson was really the problem, but we'll have to see. But they're going back to L.A. I'm going to give Baker another shot. Baker's my guy. Give me the Rams against the Broncos. Just because I think it was the cold weather. I don't know if they went a different offensive scheme this week against the Packers since they didn't want to throw it so much because Baker didn't get a chance to throw it a lot. They did a lot of running plays against the defense that knew how to stop the run. So I think that was a little on Sean McVay. But now that Baker Mayfield's getting a little more comfortable in that offense, they may be able to throw it a little more. Give me the Rams over the Broncos in L.A. Next up, the Buccaneers and the Cardinals. I'm going to have to go with the Buccaneers. The Cardinals are probably in we're done mode for the season. Kyler Murray's not coming back. Colt McCoy, I believe he keeps getting concussed or he gets keep, keeps getting hurt. Um, Hopkins, he's not having a great season. That defense is getting exposed. If it's not in the beginning of the game, it's at the end of the game. And I think the Buccaneers, if they play as well as they did against the Bengals in the first half, they're going to win the game. As long as Tom Brady doesn't throw any interceptions or the defense doesn't give up any big plays against the Cardinals, Give me, the, give me the Buccaneers on Sunday night. Lastly, we got the Chargers and the Colts. You guys know my opinions about Justin Herbert. I'm not completely sold on Justin Herbert. I know he has great stats, great records, but he's not winning games. He's won the last two. He's been kind of proving me wrong a little bit, but he's going up against the Indianapolis Colts, who are probably embarrassed. Jeff Saturday is going to get fired because of this, more than likely. So give me the Chargers over the Colts. But already, guys, that'll wrap things up for Episode 3 of CAV Sports Podcast. And I did start a YouTube channel. This this uh, episode will be uploaded to YouTube in case you missed it. Or if you want to go back to any of the previous episodes, make sure you subscribe to at CAV Sports at YouTube. Thank you, guys.